Broadcasting from 10 Hudson Square Building, home of WNYC Radio here in Soho, New York. Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies. My guest today is Richard Perkin. He is founder of Gels, which is a family-friendly apparel company that he founded alongside his wife, Ashley, who also serves as CMO. This company was built specifically for purpose. A large portion of their proceeds go to several causes, and he'll talk a little bit about that journey. Richard's day job is actually serving as a VP at an investment company called Wolverine Investments. We may or may not get to that, but we're really here to talk about his passion for gels. Before starting gels, I think you had a career in marketing, right? And you've got some background in marketing. Yes, by and large, marketing and business development. Perfect. Okay. Two things that are a good basis for the building of almost any company. Richard is a UVM guy, and that's near and dear to my heart only because my wife's from Vermont, beautiful state, and many of her friends also went to UVM. And I think a lot of very smart and successful people went to UVM. We may or may not get to that as well, but a big shout out to UVM. Of course, my niece went there, future veterinarian. So Richard, welcome to Brand on Purpose, and thank you again for coming in studio. It's great to see you and great to meet you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. So you were mentioned in this pretty incredible story by Paul Sullivan in the New York Times, along with some other purpose-driven brands and companies, mostly startups. Yours was not the one that was co-founded with Kristen Bell, but still, I'm having you in anyway, because I'd like to have Kristen Bell in at one point. Yeah, well, I I hope I don't disappoint, but yes, we're happy to be mentioned alongside. Right, right. Right. So you're no Kristen Bell, but we'll take you. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the founding of the company. I know it's not your day job, but um, it sounds like it's probably the most important job and the one that keeps you going. And I should mention for those listening, you know, so Richard is in here fresh off of what, two weeks ago, your wife gave birth to twins. Uh, to twin boys. Yes. Twin boys. And you have two other children that are five and under, so he's got his hands full. It's a, I don't know how you guys do it. Well, that, that's part of the fun, as they say, is, yeah. is trying to strike that balance. But again, we signed up for it, and uh, we're happy to, to see where it goes. So because I'm not going to get your founder's story right, why don't you tell me your founder's story? Sure. So for Ashley and I, my wife, it, it really was born gels out of desire, right? So we both had small business backgrounds, out of college, each 10 plus years, each in the small business world. And we both love that side of it, the creativity that comes with working at a small business. And Ashley, working in fashion and beauty, thought that we could have a lot of fun with belts. Um, Did you guys meet in college? Technically, yes. We met abroad in Italy and Florence. So she went to Colgate. What a beautiful and romantic place to meet right. someone. Right. It, it's pretty funny. People ask, is she Italian? I said, no, she's from Westchester. But uh, <laughs> we had to go to Italy, even though we grew up about 30 minutes away from one another. And we both knew that we wanted to incorporate our personal commitment to philanthropy. And so, again, with Ashley's background in fashion and beauty and mine and, and the business side, she suggested that we could have a lot of fun with belts as a primary product. My parents and, and grandparents on both sides, at least to me, were always dressed meticulously. So having a, a fashion be a part of the bigger picture was certainly uh, worked on my end. So our first five belt colors, each aligned with one of our five partner charities, and we donate 5% and so forth. So, so but why belts? 
So, I mean, there's a lot of things you can build, a lot of things you can manufacture, right? Right. So, one of Ashley's initial internships was working for a belt manufacturer. So, she had some inside interesting knowledge in the space. And I think, too, again, you can have a lot of fun with being creative with different line of belts. And then we started really having fun with it all and saying a belt is what gels your outfit together and uh, so forth. Ha ha. Got aren't, it. Aren't we funny? And candidly, look, we've taken no outside money. So as, uh, as far as expenses go, is something that was easy for us to put together uh, relatively on. on the so you've other. got four or five plans to fund, or you can fund gels and save the world. Yeah. So or both see. maybe. Well, yeah, hopefully we continue to grow. <laughs> we, can, we can address both those issues. So that is the long and the short of it. And yes, it's for both the whole family, as we say, both an adult line and children's line and our guys are three and five year old or or models. Uh, and so they're the ones who give us the okay. On they're good looking kids. Too. <laughs> well, we think so, but right. and uh, it's gels.com no. gels.org gels.org. Sorry. Yes. Got it. Again, that's the long and the short of it. Right. Right. So you decide to have your first child of now four and you're like, you know what? That's not enough. We're going to start a company. Yeah, no. So we had our first child and started within about two months of one another. And so were we thinking clearly? Yes. Did it go exactly according to plan? No, but I think any entrepreneur would say the same thing. Yes, we have a business plan that we followed and we've deviated from it and we've had to come back to it and life has gotten in the way. But I think part of what we're trying to do, and I think part of our brand, quite frankly, is we are a family brand, right? And we are trying to establish that and show that it can be done uh, at the risk of sounding cliche. If you, if you have a desire, if you have a want or you have a passion, you, you will figure out a way to do it. I fundamentally believe that. And what you don't want is a regret. Well, that's that right. You didn't try. And that's right. I mean, I, I think you've heard it before. I've heard it before, you know, it's good to take strategic chances and it's something we wanted to do. And you're right. I mean, if we had not followed through with it, you always wonder what if so. Right. There's never really a good time to do anything, right. Mm. To get married, to have kids, to start a company, mm. So I get that. I totally do. And I also think that once you make that decision, you seem like an all-in kind of guy, right? You raise a good point. I mean, I think the hardest part, figuratively speaking, is pulling out of the driveway, right? right. It's great to have these, these good ideas. I mean, with anything, you're booking a big trip, you can plan right. it all you want, but once you finally buy the plane tickets, and I think it's the same thing with, with a company. And did you do it like stealthily or did you tell everybody? And the reason why I ask is because I have, for me, when I'm about to embark on something big, it could be kind of an athletic endurance event, mm-hmm. or it could even be when I started my own company, right? Mm-hmm. I need to tell as many people as possible, only because what I'm doing is not proprietary, but to also hold myself accountable. Mm-hmm. So people are like, so how's it going? You said you're going to do X. Did you keep it kind of stealth in between you guys, or did you start telling people to help get that validation or did you not really need that kind of accountability, that extra layer of accountability? We told folks who were important to us. I don't think we made it public knowledge amongst our entire network group, et cetera, but you're right. We wanted to follow through on it. I, you know, take a lot of pride in that personally and professionally. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'll be there. If if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. And I want to be held accountable in general, again, inside the office and out. So, Yes, we, we told an inner circle and they would ask. And then um, the website went live on Thanksgiving Day 2014. And we were in it. So from the moment that you had the idea, or rather from the moment that you had decided that you're going to do this to the moment that you actually launched the website, how long was that? Probably a year in the making. And it was 
product design. Um, I mean, all the steps. Yeah. I, I won't yeah. go through each one. You know, there's a lot of decisions that you have to make, a lot of decisions that you didn't know you would have to make. So what was your first, oh shit moment? Like, not to give you doubt, but just where you're like, wow, I didn't expect that. Pre or post launch? Pre launch. Pre launch. I'll give you mine. Right. Just, just as an example. Sure. When I started my company 14 years ago, I didn't realize you can get office space. And at the time, there's no WeWork, right? Right. right. 2005, 2006, right. there's no WeWork. I had to put up six months of rent and I had to personally guarantee, which I'm sure you did as well, everything. There's no cloud, right? right. The, the cloud is for rain, right? There's servers, there's equipment, there's all these capital expenditures. I had to personally, and no one told me that I have to personally sign for these things. If I don't pay the bills, then they come after me, right? Well, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And I took a second mortgage out of my house. And then I'm like trying to clear checks at the bank so I can make payroll. I mean, I had like multiple oh shit moments, which I knew probably were there somewhere in the ether. But then when you face it, there's no game plan. You have to use instinct and grit and a little bit of charm to kind of manage each issue, each moment, right? Right, which is part of the entrepreneur's way, right? Yeah. I mean, that I think, sometimes I think the word entrepreneur gets thrown around a little bit. I, mean, I think entrepreneurs are inherently creative. And yeah. certainly, and that can be in an established business. I think that gets overlooked sometimes that you can be in an established business and still be an entrepreneur. You might be creating a new way to, to track inventory. You might be creating a, a new way, more efficient way to manage customers, et cetera. Right. But to answer your question, the first oh shit moment on our end was when we had a fully designed website and nothing on the trial basis worked. And I literally mean nothing. And that's important, our website, seeing as it is our store. Right. And we've since changed web providers two years in, but another story there. And I don't claim to be a tech guy. I, I'm knowledgeable. I'm not, you know, and again, that was part of it. I knew I had to learn that stuff along the way, how to do back, you know, website maintenance and so forth. Right. But out of the gate, when that didn't happen, we had a neat and then it looked great. And, and then we ran some trial runs and nothing worked. And we were about a week out from launching. So we made some pretty firm phone calls to uh, get that thing up and running. Right. So, so you didn't miss your launch date? No, we did not. You and, doubled down. And that's right. And there were still hiccups. Yeah. Right. As uh, there always will be. Right. Uh, yeah. Somebody told me, and I, I thought it was great, a friend of mine, who who is tech savvy, said, you know, if you launch your website and nothing goes wrong, you waited too long. Right. And I think that's right. I think that's accurate. Find me a business, large or small, internationally known or, or locally known, that you know, doesn't have problems or hiccups and right. figures out ways to get around them. So we're no different. And when you originally launched, which you know, I love the idea behind it, you had one color, right? Mm -hmm. And it was blue. Mm -hmm. And it was to support a charity that helped, I think, clean up or preserve the oceans or mm -hmm. something like that. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting all this wrong. You can correct me. Mm -hmm. And then you realized at some point that actually we could have multiple color belts right? And we can probably serve multiple charities and not over-index just on one. Yeah. So just to clean that up a little bit. No, we did. We did initially. We did initially launch five different color belts. Oh, but the blue one was doing really Correct. well. That's it, it, each right? one representing our each of our five charities. But navy blue, it's a popular color. It goes with pretty much everything. Right. And was <laughs> tied to our organization, Blue Ocean Society, out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and they were getting the lion's share of sales. And so we adjusted the model, again, learning along the way and on the fly that, that instead of donating 5% of each belt color sold to that specific charity, we split it five 
ways, so 1% to each charity. How did that go over with? They've been great. And I think that's an important piece is that the charities, we did a lot of homework on, and they all have organizations that hit really close to home to us. And I won't bore you with why, but but maybe just list out the charities if you could. Sure. So I mentioned Blue Ocean Society out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, uh, Breast Cancer Alliance out of Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks, USA. They are in Alexandria, Virginia. They provide scholarships to spouses and children of the serving in the armed forces. Mm-hmm. The National Canine Cancer Foundation and the Arthritis National Research Foundation. All very different. Very charities. different, but very meaningful to us. And I, I think, for example... Breast Cancer Alliance, my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. Ashley's grandmother was diagnosed. And and in fact, the day of our first son was born, my mother, pure happenstance, was being operated on in the same hospital on a different floor for breast cancer. So, you know, for anybody who's been fortunate enough to, to have children, I'd say especially your first, breast cancer took something from that day, right? I mean, right. a little bit. I literally was taking an elevator in between floors, in right. between recovery rooms, right. my wife to my mother. And every, everybody's okay now, which is great. But, and again, there's a kind of similar story, maybe not details, but why it is meaningful to us for each of the charities down the line. So if we can do something through our business to punch back at breast cancer, you bet I'm going to do what I can. It, so. My guess is that you and Ashley have always been kind of civic-minded, charitable people, right? Because- the reason why I say this is because very few people, and I've talked to a ton of people in different industries who have purpose as part of their mission and they give back, they all have genetically are predisposed towards doing good and doing well by doing good and doing good by doing well. Sure. So I imagine that's part of you too, which is how you're made up and it's how you're brought up and it's kind of what you feel like you need to be doing. A hundred percent. And I, I think it's a, easy answer in my end. Oh, of course we're that way, but, but we really are. And again, we, we both were involved in organizations and philanthropic initiatives well in advance of launching this. And so that was the, that was one of the, the starters of it all, right? We, we wanted to uh, start something of our own and incorporate our personal commitment to philanthropy. And again, aren't we very funny? And we, out loud, we said, literally, you know, how can we gel the two? And we look at one another and gels.org was available for purchase and, and so forth. And so, well, that's as good a name as any for a company, but yeah, we, we love it. And as you noted on with a busy house and kids and so forth, we have to love it in order to do it, to find the time to do it. And I imagine you went through the same exercise we all went through, which is, okay, is it available online and how do we get that domain? I mean, that's part of it, right? It, well, that's right. And gels, most people think it's gels and we have to correct them, but that's okay. I'm not going to lie. And, we had that discussion here. It's right. like GIF, GIF, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's, it's a soft G, but it was available in gels.org, jives with, you know, a leather tend to be associated with philanthropies and organizations and, and so forth. So sure. We joke that there is no grand story. If it weren't for our Belt while climbing the mountains and Everest, so uh, you know we would have fallen off the cliff. <laughs> like, sure. There's nothing like that. It, it was truly born out of desire, and I think that's important. We wanted to start a company, and we wanted to incorporate our personal commitment to philanthropy, and so we pulled out of the driveway and did it. Yeah, most whether it's Harvard Business Review or any sort of book that you might read, like Innovator's Dilemma, very few great ideas are aha moments. There are things that build and morph and evolve and get better. It's this whole thing of rapid prototyping, you know, over time. So I'm sure that these are discussions that you and Ashley had had multiple times in different 
variants and forms. And then the aha moment was, we're going to do this. We're going to put this LLC or what, uh, Inc. or whatever it is together. We're going to get the bylaws down and we're going to launch it. Right? Yeah. It didn't come without thought. Again, it wasn't a fly by the, you know, see, let's just create a company. I mean, we right. were quite deliberate in how we wanted to do it. And we think judicious, but we also knew, again, that no matter how much time we thought about it, there would always be snafus and speed bumps along the way. And again, I, I think every creator, entrepreneur expects that type of thing to happen. And we knew that. So we didn't get upset by it. Right. I often say it's not what happens. It's how you react to what happens. Mm. And uh, just having a life full of crisis communications management myself, I always tell my clients that as well. Right. Mm. And it goes for anything and everything, uh, whether it's deliberate or something that happened to you, it's how you react. Mm. Absolutely. Right. So is it just going to be belts? Are you thinking about expanding? We have expanded. So we, we, and again, we had small business problems. We, we need to be better about getting another. So we have expanded to hats, um, a line of eco-friendly adult hats, both trucker and, and cotton twill and youth hats as well, garment dyed um, youth hats. So is we, there SPF in these hats for bald guys like me? Uh, Maybe one day. Unfortunately, no, but uh, you wear a hat that'll, you know, outside yeah, of the, little, the breathe holes, you, yeah. you'll be just fine. Uh, no, right. it. Um, i my dermatologist. Though. Right. Yeah. So we have expanded to that and those are doing well and we have other products in the queue. But again, we're very methodical about when launching products and how we're going to launch them and why, right? I mean, sometimes people launch a product just to have a new product and right. we really want to make sure that it, it jives with who we are and our brand and our look and so forth. I don't know anything about apparel manufacturing, but I imagine that there's a calculus involved, degrees of difficulty in terms of manufacturing belts and hats versus shirts and shorts. And I can't imagine it's all the same. It's just, right. There's got to be different kind of considerations you have to weigh before you introduce a new product line. A hundred percent. I'd say any apparel company, and, and I think there's some that are doing an incredible job because it's sizing is an issue, right? And now you see right. these more fitted clothing lines and for otherwise for everybody's different belts were no different. And we worked around that a little bit and that our belts are a slide buckle. Right. So we have small, medium, large XL, as opposed to you know, waist 26, 30. What, yeah, what? I'm all about the slide buckle. I'm a fan. Yeah. And you know, hats, uh, you have a little bit more room to play. I think at one time they used to say one size fits all. Now it's one size fits most, but you're right. If there were shirts and so forth and all that, we'd have to you know, consider that. And that may be down the road, but uh, that's then and this is now. Right. It's totally yeah. different. Yeah. What is the future? When you say down the road, mm-hmm. are you going to add more charities? Are you going to stay with the charities that you have right now? I imagine you have interim plans, longer plans, longer term plans. Yeah. So both from the business side of the house and the for-profit side of the house, right? I mean, that those are equally as important to us. And so we don't want to make sure that one gets ahead of the other. Right. And there's a balance there and finding that it is part of the job. I'm sorry, are you using any data to help determine where the need is? I mean, obviously appropriate use of data, but I imagine you are capturing buying patterns, behaviors, mm-hmm. demographic data, and that should also help inform kind of where you're going to go. Right? Of course. Yeah. From a product standpoint. Yes. No, we have, again, we learned right off the bat that Navy blue was a popular color, right? Yeah. So in terms of keeping organizations in the group and, and we call them partner charities and they are partners, they know us, they know that we just had twins, you know, by and large monthly calls with them and outside of the stated 5%, we really work 
hand in hand with them about other ways that we could be of benefit to them. And I think if asked uh, what separates you from whether that separates us ultimately or not, I don't know, but that's what we're trying to do is really be good partners to them. So we'll donate company product to events they have. We're we're now starting to host events. We uh, hosted an event this winter at a brewery in town. We're having a golf event later this one for each one of our five charities. But that I think is important. And and we do what we can on social media to raise awareness for their events. We participate. I mean, we've literally... Yeah, you're authentic partners. 100%. We've literally packed up our kids... the time, not this year, because Ashley was pregnant, but last year uh, and driven up to Rye, New Hampshire to clean up Genesis Beach for Blue Ocean Society in early April. And let me tell you, Rye, New Hampshire in early April is not, uh, yeah. you know, Savannah, Georgia in early April. It's cold, yeah. it's wet. And it's it's like Westport, Connecticut in February. Uh, that's right. right. Yeah. But it was meaningful to us. And, and I think that just delivers on the point again of how we try to be good partners. It's not just a, a donation. It's really keeping involved with them and being active and there is no boilerplate template that we are following. And that, again, is part of the fun. Month to month, it could be something different of how we're interacting and right. helping them. So. Right. How do you do it all? You're a father of four. You do have a full-time job in an investment company. You have this venture, which you speak very passionately about, not surprisingly. A lot of people want to be you. They want to do what you're doing, maybe in obviously a different format, different industry, but I think the gating factor to them doing this is just time, right? So how do you balance it all? How do you do it? And by the way, no one can see us, but you don't look that tired. You look pretty good. Uh, oh, well, uh, thank you. But I, I, look, the short answer is I'm still learning, but the longer answer is, is managing expectations on my end. I mean, I, I'm someone who nobody's more competitive with me than me, right? And I think out of the gate, there was a control. I, I need to make sure that X, Y, and Z is taken care of at all times. And and Ashley is a great partner in life and in, in business and so forth. And we've set it up so far that, again, it, it's managing expectations day to day, week to week, month to month, and establishing goals, right? Because I think, as you pointed out earlier, that helps you keep on track. It's easy to say, let's do this and not put a date on it and Time goes by and look, we knew we were having twins. So we knew that would, from a product development standpoint and from a distribution standpoint, you know, that's kind of a week by week, day by day thing. Yeah. So the first kind of third of this year, we're actually, frankly, was a little bit more stationary. We worked on these events and planning these events for our partner charities, right? Something we could do more remotely. So like I said, we're still learning, but it's certainly still worth it. And we're having a lot of fun with it. You might not be able to answer this question, but- there's got to be a point at which you maybe devote your entire time to this, mm. right? Mm. Yeah, no, I, I can't answer that. And there's a certain level, well, let me back up and put it this way. We, we've grown organically up until this point in time. Word of mouth, we haven't done any robust marketing plan and so forth, referral basis, and that's been great. But we're starting to get to that point where if we- If you want to scale. If we'd like to scale, we have to yeah. uh, you know, think, think bigger, as they say. So- if there is a specific catalyst, right, if there's a, as you put it, I think, an aha moment or an aha situation where it certainly is visible. And I tend to be, I don't rush into decisions, right? Again, right. very deliberate and very kind of methodical. If, if they're tense, especially now with four kids, if they're something that could provide a, a clear path to runway and so forth, I think that would be the catalyst that would get us going. When you're putting these products together, 
how much emphasis are you putting on kind of style and fashion versus function? Because from the outside, you know, everyone's like, oh, it seems so straightforward. And then for us entrepreneurs and business people, whether you're in professional services or media or apparel or investments, everything's far more complicated on the inside. There's so many micro decisions you have to make that lead to macro decisions that then lead to you being or not being performative. And one of the things I've learned in speaking with lots of companies is there's this great debate and tug on, you know, how good does the product really need to be? Because why are people buying it? Is it because it's beautiful and functional or is it because yes, it meets those thresholds, but just meets them. But the real reason why I'm doing this is because there's a give back. Mm -hmm. So I often say people, especially millennials buy from good companies. They like good products too, but the first criteria is the company good, right? How do you manage that tension? Yeah, no, it's a good question. One that I've thought a lot about and you're right. There's a product side and the do good side. And why are people buying, right? That ultimately is it. Right. And I believe this is my opinion that out of the gate, the product has to stand on its own. I think that especially upfront, right? You could design a new pencil and, you know, maybe it's a great pencil and for every pencil sold, 5% 5% gets donated to schools or, or what have you, but obviously there's going to be a premium. You're going to have to make it special and so forth. And will people buy that pencil? Or are they going to buy the dozen at the checkout aisle at the supermarket? Right. And right. I think as the company grows, that waiting shifts a little bit, right? When people really start to learn who you are, what your brand is, that you're authentic to your brand and really care truly about those causes and the good you're trying to create and do, I think that's when people, again, become more comfortable with your brand and, and, and loyal to the company. Yeah. Loyal to the company, yes. And yeah, to the and cause. And to the cause. They have to know that you really are behind it. Look, it takes a long time to build a brand, right? So right. a brand that people trust. Right. And again, that's critical to what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're trying to build a brand. If we do everything right, we're a brand. We're not a belt company. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the product, especially if it's good, can be the bait. But then the idea is you want them to get behind the company once they're through the door, right? Yeah, and you touched on it, the product, how neat and fancy does the product need to be or does it need to be functional? And I think with us, look, we joke all the time that we created a belt. I mean, and and it's not one that can fly out of a forest if you get caught in a pinch or anything like that. It's not a smart belt that's like, you're eating too much, stop eating. that's right. (laughs) It, it, It is just that, it is a belt. But one that is, we think is classic in look, functional. I mean, I'm, wearing it today with a sport coat in, in New York city. I've also worn it splitting wood in our backyard playing golf. Split wood. <laughs> Do you use the, a splitter or are you really splitting the wood? I swing an ax. Nice. I've, been known, I've been known to swing an ax <laughs> or playing golf or, or whatever the case. And so, yeah. Okay. So it's a functional belt that people can wear in a variety of situations. That's it. Okay. And by the way, we have these five neat causes attached to it. So our company tagline is, is feel good about your look, right? So you want to feel good wearing it regardless if it has, I like that. Uh, regardless if it has a philanthropic right. mission attached to it, but Hey, by the way, isn't that pretty neat that it does as well. And you are actually addressing function because it is a multi function, literally no pun intended, mm. or maybe pun intended. You could be on the golf course. You could be in your backyard splitting wood. You could be in a meeting with an investor or a client. That's yeah. right. And on the yeah. kid's side, likewise, we got two little guys and we noticed they needed belts and we put them on it and the belts can go through the wash. So parents happen on our end and it doesn't matter. So again, we wanted to be functional, practical, look good. And those were the, the core kind of tenets, if you will, to establishing the product. 
And then, yeah, of course, the charitable side of it is key cog as we go forward. I always learn something new about people when I do these things that you're able to swing an axe. Sure. You have all your toes. <laughs> Indeed. So you're, you're relatively good at swinging an axe. Or you're not too bad, I guess. Uh, it's a broad daylight activity for me. Good workout. It is, actually. And, well, yeah. the workout is hauling the wood yeah. after. I imagine you yeah. learn that skill when you're in Vermont, right? That's a Vermonter uh, thing. Yeah, I think up there they throw them more than swing them, but yeah. uh, I didn't quite get down that path. But yeah, no, it's a uh, good. Yeah, we talked thing. earlier, my wife grew up in uh, Northeast Kingdom, Vermont, and I started stacking when we moved to Westchester County. Yeah. We're at northern Westchester, right on the Greenwich border. Yeah. I was stacking wood. This is years ago. And she's like, get out of the way. You don't know how to stack wood. I'm like this Jewish guy from New Jersey. What do I know about stacking wood? Right. You're like, it's a good workout. <laughs> Great workout. Yeah. I'm going to take a picture of the stack when I yeah, especially when it all falls down and you have to redo it. Then that's you're really right. getting another workout. Yeah, right? that, that's right. And you get mocked by your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Constantly. That's her, that's her job. 22 years of it now. Yeah. So listen, Richard, it was great to have you on. Again, we can find you at G-E-L-L-S dot O-R-G. Correct. Okay. Got it right this time. Good luck with everything. Hope to have you back on again one day soon. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always great chatting with folks like yourself. Doing what you're doing. Indeed. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quickkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always-on-point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com, follow our Instagram at thebop.com, Podcast and learn more about our host at AaronQuicken.com. Yeah.